Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape, your house plants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And Brian, what a contrast from last Saturday an icy, like, glacier out everywhere, and to this? It's crazy, isn't it? It is. 79 today. <laughs> and it was, what, 60, it was 70 the other day? Right. And we got out some furniture and sat outside, had some uh, relatives over, sat outside, and then had to put them away. <laughs> Last night I had to put it all away because it's going to rain now, and it's going to be a mess. But so, uh, so, I mean, we're all anxious for spring, first spring, and I mentioned earlier they haven't bloomed yet, but right. uh, some of the daffodils are coming up. When can we start really starting to do things, get ready to maybe plant some beets, something along those lines? Uh, when can we start playing in the garden again? Basically, when the soil gets dry. So if the soil's dry, then you could go ahead and do it. Okay. If the soil's wet, working in the so wet soil is not so good. Right. For and the, we're going to get wet over the weekend. Yes. So <laughs> we'll have to wait a little longer because, right. you know, I, I'm just waiting to get out. And I've kind of done a few things to prepare, but like put out the preen and stuff like that. You know, is it pre-emergent time? Uh, we're kind of, it's a little bit premature. So just okay. watch out for it. All right, you don't want premature, pre-emergent. Right, exactly, because yes. it won't be it will be Ill, Ill effective. Let's put it that way. Okay. So the best thing to do is get a soil thermometer and start mm -hmm. to probing in the ground. And when the soil temperatures get above fifty several days in a row, that's a time. There you go. To get it down. Look, I got my questions answered without having to call. How about that? <laughs> I should have answered those. <laughs> you tricked me. 436-7900-1800-925-1120. It's your turn now. Absolutely. There you go. Folks, it is Saturday morning, and we're going to get together and have a discussion about what's impacting you and your landscape, uh, whatever's going on. And have you headed to the garden center? Do they have those pansies yet? I don't know if they do or not. I haven't driven past one in a couple days. so. But I'm going to drive by one today, Bears on Hampton, and see if they've got any. So uh, it's a time to sort of breathe easy and kiss, hopefully, winter goodbye. What I'll do is I'll share information that I've uh, kind of accumulated over the years, and hopefully it'll help solidify your options. So the final judgments you make will make your landscape, your houseplants, or anything else even that much better. And by the way, this is your show. 
And I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing. So when you call, James just needs your first name, and uh, he doesn't need to know the question or anything else because there's no place for him to put that. So I'll just wait to hear it from you. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations, a walk and talk if you like. Today after the show, I'm headed to South City, actually fairly close to where I live. This particular home is down by DeBerg High School. And uh, so I'll be heading there when the show's over. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and on the homepage, there's my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Ah, the corner of Welsh and Morganford. R.M. Milligan was the architect. The building was erected in 1922, so it's 100 years old. This would this was Edward H. Long School. There's granite steps that lead up to the front entrance. I'm sure that the granite maybe wasn't there back then, but maybe it was. Maybe it really has done very well. There's several clumps of maiden grasses. Haven't been cut down yet, but uh, still look pretty darn good. Not They haven't shattered all that much. A large lawn area moves across the front of the building and is dotted with conifers and flowering deciduous trees, including dogwoods. There's community raised beds, garden plots, which are dominated by raspberries and sunflowers. You can tell by the sunflowers because it still has the seeds haven't dropped yet uh, from last year. Uh, Compost bins, a huge oak tree is sitting there, wrought iron fencing. And uh, all this was is within the shadow of Bevo Mill. The garden area is supported by Gateway Greening, Wells Fargo Advisors, and the Missouri Foundation for Health. The school is now Long International Middle School, and that's grades 6 through 8. And uh, all over the place this morning, it was just starting to, this, the sky was just starting to open up or brighten up and everything else. And uh, the robins were all over the place, so... We know it's got to be pretty close to springtime because the robins have been back for like two weeks now. Crows were all over as well. Uh, clouds were moving northeast. And as a reminder, as Brian and I were talking, there was still some salt residue on the sidewalks there from last week, last Saturday's icy conditions. But today I stood outside and was making my walk around the front of the building, the school, and didn't even have a coat on. This is just absolutely unbelievable. So anyway, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. Yes, folks, the outdoors is erupting, and boy, the soil temperature is going to rise today. It's going to cool down, it's going to go up and down, but still, the triggering of the growth of the plant material, ah, oh, thank goodness. Let's head to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott, how are you? Morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, we have a north-facing home, and we just moved in last September, but we're getting ready to think about some landscaping, but we don't get barely any direct sunlight in our front yard. Is there any suggestions you have on what we could even grow out there? 
uh, basically, I mean, there's a lot of varieties of different things. Is there any kind of existing plant material out there? Not at all. It's a it's a new home. Oh, it's a new home. Well, first yeah. of all, then I wouldn't rush to start planting. I would start by getting a soil test done and then start improving the soil just overall in general before you start okay. putting any kind of new plant material in because you you're just going to end up back you know backpedaling again and again and again. So just be patient and go about doing it that way and kind of take off from that you know that particular standpoint. Then you can look at there's if I mean there's the classic use if you'd like. I mean there's lots of things that can take uh, I'm assuming it's not, since it's an open circumstance there's not a lot of existing trees or tree roots or anything like that. There's all the broadleaf evergreens, the boxwood, the azaleas, the rhododendrons, the hollies. Any of that stuff can handle a, a circumstance like that. I, and just watch out, ultimately, when you start planting, that you don't put it too close to your house. In other words, leave a gap there so you can always get back to clean windows or to walk behind and uh, kind of do it that way. But initially, I would just you know prepare the soil in the bed spaces. I don't know. Have they laid sod yet? Yes, that okay. was uh, in the fall or right. before the fall. And I would, you know, for for the sake of your sod, too, I'd have a lawn service come out, do some core aeration, and then spread some compost to fall down in the holes from the core aeration. So that would be the okay. things I'd do first. Okay, great. I thank you for your information. Sure, my pleasure. And if you'd like, okay. let's say you do like the ewes, you don't necessarily have to have them, but the the Upright U is going to be a better one. The Hicksi, H-I-C-K-S-I-I, is going to be more vertical. It doesn't get really as wide, so that might be something to consider. So anyway, thanks, Scott. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go from Scott's yard over to John's. Hi, John. Hey, how are you, Scott? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> great, great. Uh, I have a loaded question for you. Uh is it a good time to put down uh, pre-emergent, and uh, what is the best? When should I overseed and uh, aerate, or aerate and overseed? Well, I'll, first, I'll of, listen. first of all, uh, it's too early for the pre-emergence. You should probably get a soil okay. thermometer, or if you've got in your neighborhood forsythia and blooming, it's not blooming yet, so it's still too soon. If you put it down too soon, it just becomes depleted and doesn't be. It's not very effective. Also, then realize that when you put a pre-emergent down, you cannot put seed down because the pre-emergent will kill grass seed. So you've got to okay. decide which direction you want to go first. Okay. So either skip the pre-emergent and go ahead. It's a little bit premature or a little bit early to put even seed down, lawn seed, because right. it's just going to lay there and it may germinate. And we who knows if we're going to have a severe cold snap. And newly germinated seed can really be damaged by, you know, temperatures that get down below freezing. So that's you have to just be really cautious of that. So it's a little bit early okay. for pretty much anything like that. Now, you can go ahead now if you want to and have core aeration done and put a, a like a quarter to a half inch of compost on top of that just to get ready. But beyond that, I wouldn't do anything else. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. And as far as pre-emergent company or companies or variety or whatever, I would say just go to your favorite garden center and probably whatever variety that they have, whatever type, that would be just that would be fine. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. 
And now let's go from John's yard over to Barbara's. Hi, Barbara. Good morning, Mr. Miller. Um, I had to give up my yard, my garden yard, my garden in my yard, and I want to go to container gardening. And can you advise what kind of tomatoes I might put in uh, containers that would be better? Uh, pretty much any of them can grow in containers depending upon how big they are and as long as you have, you know, support for them. So, All right. What about, what about fertilizing? How often would I fertilize that, those plants in the, in the containers? Well, first of all, in the container you're going to use potting mix, not potting soil. Correct. And Correct. then just do, you know, do the fertilizing as you would normally do it. But do it, uh, let's say you could do it every two to three weeks but only do half-label rate when they're in containers. Okay. And what kind of plants would I also plant in other containers around these tomatoes to fertilize them so the bees so it would attract bees? Uh, it, I mean, that's a personal choice as much as anything. Any of the sunflower family would be fine. You know, the marigolds, all that type of stuff. Any, pretty much anything is going to attract, you know. Okay. So it's okay. really a personal choice as much as anything. Okay. Well, I appreciate your uh, your help, Mike. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, but I mean, just make sure that de- depending upon what type of tomato that you get, that you've got a you know a f- sort of a a tomato ring or a peony ring or whatever you want to call it that's going to support the plant. Because if you don't, then it's just going to you know be bent over and it's going to be more trouble. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the help. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go from Barbara's over to John's. Hi, John. Yeah, hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, uh, quick question for you. Um, I have a landscape area in my backyard that has a lot of great uh, plant material, a lot of nice plants that pop up. I've only been in the house about a year. Uh, I was thinking about clearing away all the the dead material from last year, but someone told me maybe it's too soon because it kind of helps insulate it. Um, wanted to get your thoughts if it's okay to start clearing away the old stuff or if we should hold off for a while. No, you can go ahead and do it now. Basically, this, the only plant material that really is beneficial by leaving, the, let's say, the, the debris from previous year is the fall bloomers. So anything that's a summer bloomer or anything else, it doesn't really need that. But the fall bloomers like the mums and the asters and those, the, let's say, the uh, purple cone flowers, all that stuff, they do benefit by leaving the debris through the wintertime. But you know, we're at the point now where it can be removed and not be problematic. Just watch out when you're you know, walking through the bed space that you don't, you know, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything, but just minimize the amount of foot traffic on everything. And especially if the water, if the ground is moist from rain or anything along that line. Because, Great. Yeah, today would be a perfect day to do it, but I wanted to check with you first. So sure. Thanks. Right. Thanks a lot, John. And Mr. Sure. Ke- and Mr. Kelly, you in here for something? Yeah, my fall bloomers, I have tights that I wear under them. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to pass along this accident information update because it is causing a real problem. It is westbound 44, and the accident just before Shrewsbury, and only the right lane is getting through. And so there's quite a backup there. And so you'll want to avoid it. Use 64, Manchester, something else besides westbound 44 because the accident is east of Shrewsbury and it is a mess. Right. And you could use Highway 6. Yeah, you said 64. 64. Yeah, yeah. that's 40, probably 64. the easiest way to get around it. Yeah. Right. So. Well, that sounds like a nightmare. It is. And it's been there since, oh, I got here at 430. It was already 
Oh my! There, uh, the picture, the earlier accident that had the highway completely closed was a, a dual tractor trailer that was in the shape of a Z because the, the cab had had jackknifed, then you had the middle trailer, and then the back trailer, the dually, or the dual, and it was another direction. Oh, my god. So, goodness. yeah, it was a real mess, and now we got this one here. So it's been a problem all morning long. So it's not it's the same wreck, though? I can't tell oh. from this uh, from this angle. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and, and they hope to get it out of there within, like, a half hour, but <laughs> you know how that goes. Right, exactly. So, yes. Well, right. thanks for the update. You're welcome. Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the weather when we start uh, thinking about, uh, you know, dressing up our landscape and everything else and not only just making it aesthetically better, but to benefit the plant materials. So just watch out, you know, when you're going to get some, you know, using mulch, just make sure that you get mulch that has been properly prepared. I mean, mulch, let's say there's a tree service that's been in your neighborhood and they've ground a stump out or whatever it happens to be, and consequently, or running through a chipper, that stuff does way more damage than it does good. So stuff, mulch, to be beneficial has to be cooked. It can't just be organic materials. So just really, you know, believe that. So get the aesthetic value, but the purpose is really to help buffer the crown and the root system from the weather and related factors, also dehydration and everything else. And use only properly cooked products because you can really, like this, let's say stuff out of a, off a truck that hasn't been properly cooked, uh, what it does is bind up nutrients and absorb moisture and causes real problems that way. So just realize that. So when you're thinking about doing that, get mulch like at St. Louis Composting that has been properly prepared because it's going to beneficial. It's going to be aesthetically beneficial and it's going to benefit the plant material as well. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Hey guys, Kevin Wheeler here. Join me weeknights at 6 o'clock for Sports Open Line. We'll cover everything from the Cardinals to the Blues to the local colleges, the national scene, you name it. We've got it covered and we'll have it for you here on Sports Open Line weeknights at 6 o'clock on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Randy's yard. Hi, Randy. Hello. How are you today? Very good. Hey, I just want to let you guys know that I had you come out to my house about four years ago and you did one of those walkabouts, and it was very affordable, and everything that you did that you recommended we did, and it really turned out well. But um, now we are buying a new house, and it's an atrium ranch. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what plants would be good to put in the uh, atrium of an atrium ranch style house. Uh, probably does the atrium have actually plant plantable spaces or are we talking about containerized? Uh, it does have plantable spaces. It does have soil in it. Okay, so it does have some soil. And how much light's coming into there? Well, it's got two 12-foot sections that are uh, complete, uh, you know, two stories of glass. Okay. So I would probably go with, you know, some of the really durable things. I would look at, uh, you know, I mean, have getting color, seasonal color from annuals and things like that or tropical houseplants and stuff like that in containers and then probably build the, the structural aspects with uh, some of the broadleaf evergreens or some of the, you know, dwarf conifer type things like the Alberta spruces or the oh, ewes yeah. or something along that line. Alberta spruce would be really good because they're really a slow grower, yes. Very slow, yes. Okay, well, thank you. Sure. And then, you know, after X amount of years, if it starts overgrowing the space, then you just kind of have to toss it out. It's not like we, when we get plant material, people always think you got to keep it forever. But if it overgrows the space, then that's not the case necessarily. So thanks, Randy. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go from Randy over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi. I have a question about uh, where I placed uh, a new flower bed I installed last year, and I have a question for you about it. So I put it in my backyard along my back fence, and uh, it's for native wildflowers. And so, um, but in the corner of each corner of my backyard, I have a, a red maple that are about 11 years old. And so I put the flower bed up. I came to within nine feet of those trees. And so I did encounter some roots when I was putting the bed in. And so I was just, I guess I wanted to get your take on how close can you come to those kind of trees? Basically, you really kind of should stay away from them as much as you possibly can. Look up at the tree, see how far out the branches reach, and the, the feeder roots of the tree 
go out just beyond the the extension of the branches. So as a tree gets older, you know, those branches are going to get bigger. So consequently, as the branches get bigger, the root system is going to grow laterally. So this is going to be a really kind of difficult or tough circumstance, especially for native stuff. I'm assuming that right now you're probably doing native wildflowers that are sun-oriented as opposed to shade-oriented, and that's well, even uh, going to be a little bit worse. Yeah, and so I knew that so part of the garden is in sun, so I could put full sun there, and I knew there were some shade-loving wildflowers, but I was just concerned about the competition with the roots. Yeah, so it's going to just continue to increase, become the, the maple trees are going to be just more and more competitive as the trees just get bigger. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Sure. Yeah, there's not too much you can do about that either. People say, well, what if I chop the roots? Well, that's not going to be, you know, all that much to advantage to the plant material that you're trying to save and also the trees. So thanks, Jim. Greatly appreciate it. And now let's go from Jim's to John's yard. Hi, John. Hey, uh, Mike, uh, just one quick question. Is it time to trim roses? Uh, you can certainly do it. Yes, this is a time to do it. And how far? And how far down do they? How far down should I take them? I've got some that are uh, seven, eight feet tall. So these are the like the shrub type roses. Yep. So basically, you take about a foot or two off of those. Now, if you had grandiflorus, floribundas, and all those, you're cutting those down completely different than you are the shrub types. Okay. Very good. All right. Appreciate it. Thank sure. you much for your service. Yeah, and as soon as you start to see some active growth along the stems, be it foliage or whatever, that's when you want to get some rose food and start fertilizing them. So let's go now to Diana's. Hi, Diana. Good morning, and thank you very much for taking this call. I planted, I have a garden where I have both flowers and a couple of crepe myrtles in, and I planted some cone flowers uh, last spring. And I noticed about midsummer that I was having an aphid infestation on some of those uh, that were destroying the flowers, and I was beginning to see the eggs underneath the leaves on the crepe myrtle. I've sprayed with the soaps, and I've sprayed with um, the oil, and I also have heard that aphids do not die during the winter freezes like other bugs, and I'm wondering if there's something more I need to do this spring to save them. No, just as soon as you start seeing them, just make sure that any kind of insecticide that you're using, that you spray it directly onto the insects. So just spraying on the foliage or anything else doesn't really help if it, it's got to hit the insects directly. Oh, okay. So I got to sit out there and watch for them. All right. <laughs> yeah. Another issue. That's not a good one. All right. Well, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate it. Yeah, because they're contact killers and, you know, Regardless of who you're talking about, the more organic ones, which you are talking about, or even the traditional type insecticides, the majority of them are contact killers. The ones that are not are systemics. So in other words, you put those in the ground, it comes up through the vascular system of the plant material and helps control it. But they're not really all that effective in the perennial circumstance. They're effective in the, you know, like say, for the crepe myrtles. So just realize that that's going to be the situation. Um, if I remove all, are there eggs still really there through the winter? And if we, we need to remulch anyway, but is it better to try and remove the old mulch before we put new mulch down or no? No, you can, you know, you don't necessarily have to re remove it, but just make sure that you don't build up the mulch so it's too deep. Around, around okay. the plant material that you have, you really only want about basically two to three inches at the most. So okay. more like two inches as opposed to three. 
And okay. because if you, if you put too much in, it's going to be detrimental. Even really well done organic you know, mulches like St. Louis Composting has, too much mulch can be detrimental to the plant material. Okay. Well, that's very, thank, uh, very helpful. Thank you so very much. Sure. Have a good day. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, aphids, I mean, most insects survive the wintertime, to be honest with you. Not necessarily as adults. Some of them is through eggs and everything else. But uh, just watch out. And uh, if you buy any new plant material, I don't know how the aphids came in if you had never had them before. But just check out any kind of new plant material, making sure when you purchase it, there's no aphids on the plant material. So nurseries are very conscientious and everything else, but they can't take care of everything. So now let's head over to Joel's. Hi, Joel. Hi, good morning, Mike. Good morning. We have a couple of planting spaces that we redid last year. And after we amended the soil real well, we put in two different kinds of plants based on their site orientation and how much sun and shade they all get. So one of them was the uh, lavender Munstead variety. Mm -hmm. And the other one in the shady area was Liriope, Big Blue, Liriope, Muscara. Muscara, I think is what they call it. Right. So they did really well. We, we evidently did everything right. But what we failed to do and why we need some advice from you today is we failed to learn what to do with them after the wintertime. Do we mow them down? Do we, do we cut them down to the ground? Do we just prune them at some point in the summer? We're not quite sure what to do with these plants that are thriving. Well, the, the liriope you have is a clump grower, so the foliage is all brown, so you can cut that down to you know just a couple inches. So in other words, just to remove the debris. So the aesthetic and value. If it's green, leave it alone. And, pardon me. If it's green, leave it alone. Just uh, remove the, the dead. Well, you can do that. You know, for the most part, I can't see how you know the, it wouldn't be you know all brown because of the cold timbers that we've had. But uh, since there's, I don't know how many. You know, these are probably not huge plants yet. But uh, just no. realize, consequently, if you just cut it all down to the same height, there's nothing wrong with that because it's going to produce new growth coming up from the root system. So, okay. And with the lavender, I would say just wait and wait till you start to see some new growth. And any of the lavender that hasn't started to produce any new growth, you can cut that off. But uh, depending upon exposure and everything else, both those plants could, you know, can make it through the winter without, you know, let's say severe damage due to the colder temperatures. Okay. So just remove the, the dead stuff from the lavender right. as well. But otherwise, right. it doesn't need to be pruned throughout the year at all after it blooms or anything? No, not at all. I mean, uh, you can, but that's uh, just being, to me, a little bit over the top as far as making work for yourself that's not necessary. <laughs> Don't need to do that. No. <laughs> okay. Well, good. I guess we're uh, we're okay then. It's It looks a little scraggly right now, but right. will that change yeah, okay. it's still immature. So it's going to take a couple of years. You said they've just been planted for one year, correct? Right, just last spring. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to take a couple of years before they're going to be robust, either one of them. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Sure. All right, well, good. I guess we're uh, we're okay then. Thank you. Right, and with the, with the lavender, it wants an alkaline soil, so just make sure that uh, you're not using any kind of fertilizer on it for an acid-based plant material. And the liriope is pretty much neutral. It doesn't really need one way or the other. So it doesn't hurt when you start to see some new growth to do some fertilizing. And whatever fertilizer you use, just use half the label rate. 
and then fertilize as you know the new growth begins and until the new growth stops and then you don't have to fertilize after that okay all right yeah we've heard you say many times about using half the label rate right um and for alkaline do we amend it with like bone meal or something like that yeah exactly or uh, you know a handful of lime or something along that line okay all right we can do that all right great thank you thanks joel Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files to the coffee shop, We have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, let's head over to Sherry's yard. Hi, Sherry. Hello, Sherry. Mike? Yes, go ahead. I have a uh, two-tiered perennial garden in the back, and I would like to use what pre-emergent you would use. I've used preen, and I don't think it really does anything. (laughs) Why do you laugh? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it all depends on what you you think it's going to do. As far as you know, it's not going to stop perennial weeds from coming back. It only stops you know weed seeds. And if historically you haven't had weeds in there, then you're not going to have you know it's not going to do anything for the most part. Preen's pretty good. I you know personally, I don't use the herbicides because I want to see what kind of weeds are coming up. So when somebody calls in, I can say yes, this is you know they'll like describe what it is. Yes, this is what you're having in this. So that's a, you know, but preen is probably one of the better ones for a perennial you know 
perennial garden. But again, if you're having, let's say, perennials uh, like in the sunflower family, the drop seeds like the purple coneflower or the black-eyed Susans, that, you know, prevents those seeds from coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, I have some areas up there that are are not completely full. So I can count on the weeds, you know, every every season, different weeds. I get tired of pulling them. <laughs> well, do you put any kind of mulch down? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you prefer not to use any kind of herbicide? Uh, no, I can. I would use herbicide. Well, probably what I would do is, I mean, this, people don't necessarily like Roundup, but to get Roundup liquid concentrate or just Roundup and just... Get it, put it into a bowl or a can or whatever, and just paint it onto the weeds as opposed to spraying it. That way, you don't have to worry about damaging any of the plant material that you don't want to, you know, have impacted by the herbicide. But that way, mm-hmm. it goes right where you want it, and you might as well be doing that as opposed to be, you know, to pulling because it will kill it all the way down into the ground and the root system as well. So consequently, if it's a perennial weed, then it's going to take care of that as well as any of the annual weeds too. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll try that then, Mike. Good luck. Still use the preen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Sure, thanks, Sherry. And let's head over to Dale's yard now. Hi, Dale. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, I got a question for you about the name, phone number, uh, the address or whatever of the soil testing facility in Belleville. You gave it a couple of weeks ago when I was driving. I couldn't get it down. Yeah. And I, I also have I also have a report, uh, a two-year report on a uh, solution a person gave me, and you said you don't think it would work, about my uh, Shiro plum, plum tree, which was underproducing. I hit it with a baseball bat <laughs> at night three times, and it did not increase the production, but I had to buy my grandson a new aluminum bat. <laughs> uh, let's see the one in Belleville. I, you know, I don't have that information right in front of me, but uh, let's see if I can find it. It's S G S in Belleville. It's on. It's at fifteen eleven East Main Street. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank Great. you very much. Certainly. Thank you. Bye. Yep, and let's see if we can get another call in before we got to go to break. Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hey, a few weeks ago I talked to you about this green moss I have in the backyard, and I took a soil sample to the elevator or in Valley Park, and the pH level come back as 5.5, and they recommended putting down uh, lime on it. Right. So I got some uh, granulated lime and used the Oregon Grinder fertilizer spreader, and that's been down, oh, coming up on a week. How long do you think I need to redo it or get results uh it's gonna like i said as we talked before it's gonna have an adverse impact on growing any lawn in there it may get rid of the moss but you're not going to have lawn there because you're gonna you know the ph yes can be certainly higher than what it is but consequently if you get it too high then it's going to be detrimental to your lawn so i would say it's not going to eradicate it let's say all at once by any means but uh, I would say go ahead and wait and see, you know, if you start to see any of the, let's say, the colony diminish. And then as soon as you start to see some diminish, maybe put some more lime down at that time. 
Okay, will it turn like a brown color or what? Yes, can I expect? right, exactly. It's not going to disappear. It's just it's going to be there, but it's going to just be dysfunctional. It won't be spreading as much. Okay, I got a lawn system that does my yard farming. I'm not going to mention their name, but they're a very good one. So I'll see what if they could recommend. They could put something onto two, maybe then. Okay, great. Hey, man, you take care of yourself and thank you for your service. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks okay. for having me on your show. Bye. Yep. Bye. And I don't think we can squeeze in another one here because it's getting a little bit too late. But uh, before we got to go to a break. But again, back to, let's say, acid-loving plants. You know, speaking of, you know, he's got moss and everything else. But just realize that uh, all the broadleaf evergreens, pretty much azaleas, holly, dogwoods, rhododendrons, all those plant materials, they really want to have an acid-based fertilizer. So get a soil test. If you start to see some discoloration in the foliage, that usually means the soil is getting too alkaline, and that's why it's the color of the of the foliage is losing the dark greenness. So then what you need to do is get some iron sulfate or granular sulfur. I prefer iron sulfate personally, but... Uh, and then spread it according to the label rate, and then pull the mulch back, then put the you know, sulfur down, and then basically put the mulch back. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. We'll see you after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trial Hour, and I'll be giving the Tip of the Trial shortly. But right now, you can give a call. We've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, how's your landscape doing? It's getting there. Uh, I expanded our uh, elevated raised garden. Haven't put the dirt in it yet. I'm going to try to do that here in the next week or so and get that going. And like I mentioned earlier, probably start getting ready to plant some beets and some of that, uh, maybe some lettuce. I didn't know you Uh, liked beets. Oh, I love beets. Do you? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You make them so well. Mm, They're so good. All right. And so uh, as soon as you say it's okay... We're going to take the next steps, but I am getting ready, trying to get prepared to, to get out there and go to work. Sounds perfect. Yeah, most of what we do is flowers, but we are going to have some. Oh, and I saw I transplanted some strawberries last year, and they're already starting to show. Not not strawberries, but the plants are, right. are starting to come to life. All right. And uh, so that's doing well. Let me ask you another quick question. Okay. Okay. Four, I actually six, called. Seven, you, just, you just don't realize I just called. Oh. Uh what about like cover, like any kind of the grass and weeds that kind of cover things and stuff like that? Is it okay to leave that on for a while? I'm thinking it, it protects them from the cold, or should I get all that stuff off of there? You should get it out. Get it out of there. Yeah, unless okay. it, unless it's mulch type stuff, or you're talking about mainly live... leaves and and just grass weeds that kind of you know late in the year you kind of let them go. Yeah, and some of the like I would start you know. clearing the stuff out because it's going to explode and you're going to have too much work all at once. Okay. I'll do that. Thank right. you. Yes, folks. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for the ups and downs and all around of annuals. So not only pansies, but there's toad flax. That's another early spring bloomer that you can have. How about your bulbs, your daffodils and everything else? How are they doing? Edibles, as Brian was talking about, uh, 
he grows beets. I didn't. I looked at him. I never thought he would be a beet person. But uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. How your house plants? You should be thinking about as soon as you start seeing some new growth on your house plants. That's when you start fertilizing. And again, I keep talking half label rate. Your lawn, your cool season lawn, should still be looking very, very good. Uh, the warm season lawns, uh, the zoysias and stuff. Who? They're still really tan. They're perennials. Start watching for some growth. Your roses, your shrub-type roses, this is the time of year when you can start pruning them back. And your trees, shrubs, vines, and water gardens as well. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. James is across the big board. He answers the phone. He pushes all the buttons and everything else. So when you call, just give him your first name. That's all he needs. During the week and weekends, I do walk and talks. That's a landscape consultation. And today after the show, I'm headed to South City down by DeBerg High School. So I'll share 40 years plus experience in your, you know, in relationship to your home and the plant material and everything else. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me or today's part of it is made an impression on Tracy, my wife. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tracy was trying to get some information from the DMV, you know, the license offices and stuff like that. She called multiple offices, but the one on Overland, they answered the phone, and the lady spent a good deal of time explaining to Tracy what she needed, the information she needed. So a tip of the trial goes out to the DMV, the license office in Overland. And also, as I walk around, uh, tip of the trial goes out to all the people who've put the, the daffodils and crocus out, and so many of them are starting to bloom. It's really nice to see. I mean, it's wintertime gets so boring after a while. But uh, there was one yard. They must have had 200 to 300 you know, crocus in that one yard, and then there's other yards that have even maybe even a little bit more than that. The daffodils, not quite that number, but still in bloom, full bloom. And uh, Jessica, who lives across the street and up the hill from us a little bit, her daffodils really look very, very good, and they're in full flower right now. So all the people that have those cool, not cool, those spring-blooming bulbs, now I have all mine in pots. I'm not seeing any growth yet, so I just hope the winter wasn't so severe because it does happen occasionally that does some real damage to the to the actually the bulbs. So uh, I'm still waiting. The temperatures, my, our house faces the north, so the temperature of the soil in the pot in the pots is not really warm enough to trigger the growth yet. But anyway, so all those people, thank you so much for having some color in your yard as I'm walking around through the neighborhood. Let's get a call in or two before we take a break. Let's go over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. I mean, it's going to be. Just, I'm on, guys. Hey, Tim, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm sorry. That's okay. I, I, I thank you for taking my call. The reason why I was calling is because uh, we we've been using a lawn service. They've done a great job on our yard, but we're trying to. The cost have just skyrocketed this year, I guess, because of our raw material costs or something. So we're going to do our own program. I was wondering if you thought if there's um, if there's any out there better than the Scotch program, like a DIY or Scotch, the way to go for a lawn. Probably what I'd do is I'd go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, okay. mobot.org, and see what they say. Okay. You know, the Scots program, it's fine. 
it's uh, not going to be necessarily universal, but just see, you know, see what the botanical garden and kind of blend that in with. It's probably going to be a combination of other things, but the Scots is a little bit too, a little too rigid for our crazy weather. Okay, I'll go to I'll go to that website for botanical gardens. Thank you very much. Certainly, yeah, mobot.org. And now let's get uh, over to Bunny's yard. Hi, Bunny. Hello, Bunny. Yes. Good morning, Mike. Yes. Um, I have some mums that I want to know if it would be okay to cut them both down to uh, the ground. Yeah, basically. So have you had them for a while? Oh, some of them. Yeah, some of them I just got last year. Okay, now the ones that you just got last year, what you need to do is you can cut all that debris off because it, we're not going to have harsh enough weather, hopefully not, that it's going to do any kind of damage to them. And leaving the crown, leaving that dead, more or less dead material for the wintertime is protection for the crown and for the root system and everything else. But the newer ones that you have, when you cut it off, also look right at the ground level where the stem's coming up out of the ground, and there should be some green leaflets right down there at ground level, and that will indicate that they, you know, are going to be a perennial-type mum as opposed to one that did not survive the wintertime. Okay. And also, I have a big holly bush. Can I prune that now? Uh, it might be a little bit early, but, yeah, if you're going to get it done, uh, you know, within the next couple of weeks, do it by then. Do it well before you, st- or before you start to see any kind of new growth or any kind of bud expansion or anything else. Okay, I have a scene that some of the leaves have turned a lighter green. Does that mean they're, it's too late? Or? No, no, no. What that means is your soil, it could be damaged due to the cold weather that we had, but also it could be the soil is alkaline, and so in other words, you need to get some iron sulfate. Now, is this holly close to your house? Yes. Yeah, maybe the uh, you know the concrete has leached some alkalinity into the soil, and then uh, which raises the soil pH, and that's detrimental to the holly. So, what you might do is go to your favorite garden center, get some iron sulfate, and pull the mulch back, and then put the iron sulfate, and then put the mulch back underneath. Oh, great! Well, thank you so very much for your advice. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Elle King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Voice of St. Louis. News that matters to you. KMOX. Yes, folks, we got phone lines open. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. If you weren't there, I wouldn't be calling in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quick question. I have a beautiful sweet gum tree my wife loves, so we're not going to be cutting it down. And I have a bumper crop of sweet gum bottles. <clears throat> 
Usually I rake them up. Would it be any harm to my lawn if I were to mulch them with my uh, mulching mower? I may have a mower with a mulching deck, and I mulch the leaves in the fall. Would, what, what would happen if I crunched these little devils up left them laying in the yard? Uh, it's going to be... T- going to be too much too much debris let's put it that way because they're not really not going to break down like a leaf does and they're just going to be pieces of it and it could be you know they could be so thick and so dense it could be detrimental to your lawn just in general okay not the answer i wanted but (laughs) uh, if if you want to guess what i'll be doing this afternoon it's called raking gumball (laughs) i mean this year is prolific as far as the sweet gum trees it seems like I mean, most of the time, you know, when I'm walking around and everything else, uh, it's just uh, the amount of sweet gum balls on the ground right now is just incredible on sidewalks and everything else, too. Right. Plus, there's still plenty on the trees. So. Yes, absolutely. That's the scary <laughs> what, part. <laughs> what I do today, I'm going to be doing next week. Yep. <laughs> and probably the week after that and week after that. And now, Mike, just don't go too far. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Bob. And now let's head over to Mike Shard. Hi, Mike. Morning. How you doing? Very good. Thank you. Um, I'm looking to get um, some banana trees. My sister's got some, but she's had them for years, and they, they actually come back every year, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I looked last year for some, and I couldn't find them. Do you have any place that you would know that, that would have some? Well, the big, you know, the big box stores really won't have them for the most part. But usually, the nurseries that are year-round nurseries will have them. So, what part of the city do you live in? I live in South County. South County. Uh, let's see. I would say just you know, kind of go online. You know, the the nurseries that you know that are close around there, and see if they've got them. But uh, most of the year-round nurseries do have them. Like, uh, I mean, Bears is in the city, but, uh, you know, there's going to be some nurseries that are down, you know, closer to you that are, they have to have them. Good enough. Thank you for your time. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty easy to find them. Just uh, like I said, I don't know which ones are closest to you, but uh, the year round nurseries always will have the banana trees. And there's a house near me and uh, on Federer. And this gentleman, you know, has his bananas. He digs his up. But uh, I think he's going to start. I think he's left some of them out. And uh, they're they're pretty tough and durable. You know, so uh, just watch out with the bananas. When you cut the leaves off, the uh, the sap from the leaf, from the stem, uh, can really stain your clothes. So just watch out. I learned that working in the Climatron. <laughs> All right. Good enough, Mike. Thank you. Yep, sure. And now let's, uh, Beatty, how are you? Hello. Hi. I have a big arch in the back of my yard, and I want to plant a flowering vine there, or maybe on each side. What would be a good flowering vine? Uh, do you want an annual vine or a perennial vine? One, what would be best? Well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's personal choice. Probably what I'd do is I would maybe take a look at some of the clematis varieties. And the most aggressive one is maybe it's going to end up being too aggressive for you is a sweet autumn clematis. But any of the clematis, C-L-E-M-A-T-I-S, clematis, 
but it's going to take them a while before they're really going to start growing up onto the you know the, onto the archway, and so then oh. consequently for the couple first couple years maybe grow morning glory vines those are annual or moonflowers or hyacinth bean vine that way you can get something that's going to grow in one season all the way up to the top if you plant on both sides, and then the clematis will grow during that process. And once the clematis gets up and starts, uh, let's say, creating the impact that you want, then you can stop doing the annual seeds. Okay. Uh, and my tulips that I planted are just coming up. What should I, just tipping, should I put fertilizer around them? Yeah, just uh, make sure that... Uh, if it's a granular type fertilizer that you water it in. So just don't lay it and, you know, that keeps it off the foliage because if you just put fertilizer down and the fertilizer just lays on leaves, it can burn some holes in the leaves. So as soon as, and this is for anybody, as soon as you start to see some active growth, that's a good time to fertilize. And if, again, a, you can get a liquid one or a powder one that you can mix up in water and just pour it on there. But if you get a granular type fertilizer, then water it in. Thank you. Sure, Thank my you. pleasure. And now let's go. Let's see. Where should we go? Brady, how are you today? I'm fine. And I have a clay pot that is about two feet high, foot and a half across. And it was originally designed to put strawberries in. It's got these slits on the side of the clay pot. Right. My question to you is, I want to put some new soil in there. What should I fill that up with before I try to put the strawberries in? I would probably, you know, again, even though this is, you know, the strawberries are fine, I would use a potting mix, not a potting soil. Potting mix. Right. Okay, I've got that. Okay, great. That's what I will use. Yeah. This, yeah. And how... how how successful are those things, by the way? <laughs> as far as strawberries go, minimal. Because, you know, I mean, the strawberries are as a perennial plant, So, but in the pot, they don't seem to do really well being elevated like that. For annual-type things like sweet alyssum and, you know, annual-type flowers, they're great. But uh, for strawberry jar, you know, strawberries, mm, it's not going to be all that successful, but they're kind of fun. Well... What would you suggest if you had it in your ha in your yard? What would you be planting in it? Well, like I said, uh, Tracy does have one, and what we you know what we plant in it is uh, sweet alyssum, which is a type of annual. We get some of the purple and some of the white, and just each one of the pockets gets a different color, and then a you know mix of colors up on the top. How but, do you spell alyssum? A L Y S S U M. You buy it. You can buy it in flats, grown, or you can buy it as seeds as well. Probably if the garden centers are not going to have it in the flats yet. It's a little bit too premature. But uh, by buying it already growing in a flat or in a six pack or something like that, then you don't have to sort of sit and every day go out and you know look for where you put the seeds and why aren't these seeds coming up? So I would get the plants versus the seed. Okay, now where would I buy the plant? Uh, any year-round garden center will have them, and even the big box stores have them so, in their garden center. Well, you know, I'm going, I'm going to follow up on that, I think. Now, last question. Uh, 
Do you still ride your bicycle? I don't as much anymore because my bike had some real problems, so I've kind of stopped riding it. Okay, well, I can remember always enjoyed hearing your experiences on your bicycle as you <laughs> moved around South St. Louis. Right, yeah, I used to ride down to the station all the time. But, right. Uh, there's, there's been, you know, I've had uh, just had some problems with it, and I just didn't want to fool with it anymore. Okay. I certainly have enjoyed your program all down through these many years. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Millican fans, join us at Fieldhouse Pub and Grill today from 5.30 till 7 following the SLU men's basketball game versus VCU for the Billikens post-game show. Live with Tom Ackerman, Bob Ramsey, and a few special guests. All happening at Fieldhouse Pub and Grill at 510 Teresa Avenue in Midtown. Let's head over to Lori's yard. Lori, how are you today? Great, thanks. How are you? Very good. Listen, I have a, I have some wiggle on my front yard, and I had there's a. I missed your. Was there a question there? What's that? I didn't understand what you said. Oh, I have wiggulas. Wiggulas. Or wygula. Oh, wygelia. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so they're shrubs. And um, can I? I have I. They haven't started, you know, there's, I don't see any buds yet, so I can still trim them up. Well, just watch out because they're f- spring flowering, so if you prune them now, then you're cutting off the potential for flowering altogether. So the best time, anything that blooms before b- June or even right at June, you should prune right after it finishes flowering. Okay. And then... I have my other question is I have some potted ferns that were hanging plants and they were on my porch all summer long and I brought them in and they shed like crazy. Could could they have actually wintered over and put them back out or not? No, they can't stay outside if that's what you're asking. No, no, I brought them in. Okay. Um, and then at some point they were just such a mess and I I mean it's done, but I'm just wondering could I have wintered them over in my house? Well, wherever you winter them over, they're going to lose a lot of leaflets. Right. So anytime you bring them inside, they really don't like it. And so consequently, a lot of debris is going to be wherever you, you know, whether you put them in your basement under grow lights or anything else, they're still going to lose a lot of leaflets. There's nothing, nothing you can do to prevent that. Okay. And then the last question is, I had a ton of bulbs that I... Um, of tulip bulbs that were in an area that were dug up, somebody gave to me. So most of them I planted. Some of them I I didn't, but they look like they're starting to like they're they're growing. Right. Can I if I put them in the ground right now? Do you think they would grow? Uh, they may grow, but they probably won't flower. So in other words, they'll. So you're kind of building for the future, and it depends upon the variety of the tulips. Tulips are generally not you know, for longevity factor perennial-wise, like the daffodils mm-hmm. are because they've been over-hybridized. So I would um, go ahead and plant them, let the foliage come up, fertilize them as soon as you start to see the foliage come up. And then just, uh, like I said, you're probably not going to get any flowers this year and just hope that you'll get some flowers next year. 
Okay, and what do I, what do I fertilize? What do you recommend for a fertilizer? That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's no. I mean, just personal choice. Don't use anything that the numbers are all the same. So no triple twelve, no triple five. You know, anything else? It's really kind of personal choice up to you. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And as I always, I've said multiple times already in the show, always whatever the label rate says with the fertilizer, do half the label rate. That's always just better for the plant material. All right. Thanks, Lori. And now let's head over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Yeah, Mike. Um, I have these wild, I, I don't know if they're grapevines, but they, they just go crazy in the summer and overtake, you know, some other bushes. And last year I was able or. I, I think I put Roundup on it and it killed it, but last, another huge one came up. How do you get rid of these vines with Roundup, or what do you do? You can use Roundup. I'd probably get find out where they're coming up out of the ground. Then yeah. cut yeah. cut that off like about a foot above the ground, and as soon as you make the cut, take Roundup and paint it right on that open wound from cutting, and that way is the best way to get rid of it. So just putting it on the foliage, thats you could do it. But get Roundup for killing woody plants. It really probably says Roundup for poison ivy. But that's what the, you need to get the stronger one than what, the one that kills herbaceous-type things. Okay, yeah, and I'll do it now while it's still, still dead. Yes, exactly. So it's real easy to see. And, I make, again, make the cut at a 45-degree angle because that exposes more of it. And use a paintbrush and paint that uh, Roundup right onto that open wound as soon as you cut it. Okay, will do. Thanks a lot. Sure, Please. my pleasure. And now let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Hi. I um, was thinking about putting in an herb garden, and I have a lot of sun in the front. I'm in South St. Louis. And I was wondering about would how much sun can the herbs take, you know, before they like would maybe be sunburned or or would it be too harsh? My back is uh, incredibly shady, um, so I was thinking about an herb garden in the front. Right, the herbs can take sun all day long, every day, no problem whatsoever. So Perfect. whether you're trying to grow basil or whether you're growing thyme. Or what you know, whatever type they want to be in sun all day long is the best thing for them. Okay, and it wouldn't scorch them to try. I usually use plants, uh, buy plants, but uh, what about seed? Do you think the seed coming up could scor- could burn? No, it really shouldn't. I mean, it's tough, a durable. I unless you really want to, I'd kind of you know go ahead and use the plants as opposed to using the seed. But it's really up to you. It's just going to be a long, involved process to get the seed to germinate. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Sure. Yeah, the plants are always to the, you know, to the advantage. I mean, people can be really patient, but a lot of people that, were, let's say, were growing, planning on growing something like herbs or from seed, they've already started them indoors, under grow lights, with bottom heat and everything else. So, in other words, they're really just planting plants that they've grown themselves as opposed to getting them at the garden centers. But, uh, no, the herbs really want to be in sun all day long, every day. If you're really interested in it and doing the herbs, there's an herb society that meets at the Botanical Garden. You said you lived in South City. And just maybe go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, find out when the herb society meets, and you could just you know hang out and go to one or two of the meetings and find out really the tricks with some of the things. Okay. Well, I, I had thought about putting in the plants like I normally do uh-huh. and then maybe – 
coming back with seed also. Oh, you could do that, certainly. So, so it would, you know, kind of fill in. Right. Yeah, that sounds okay, fine. Good. Oh, good. Good, good. Thank you very much, sir. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Sandy's yard. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I've got a problem. I've got quite a few plants on my sun porch, which is all windows, you know, and it's like east and south. Uh, and some of the, my jade especially, it's I don't know what's wrong with it. It, it. I've had it for about 30 years, you know, and the leaves are just real flat, They're you know, and they're usually pretty thick and and hardy. And a Christmas cactus I have out there, too, is not doing well at all. Do I just need to fertilize them or... Well, it probably wouldn't hurt, and I mean, if you've had them that long, it could just be an age factor. They're probably totally pot-bound, but I wouldn't necessarily put them in a bigger pot. And maybe just, if you're going to use some fertilizer, get fertilizer for cactus. Don't just use regular-type fertilizer. And And, again, half the label rate, and if, you know, a 30-year-old jade plant, that's pretty darn old, and it may just be, you know, kind of at the end of its life, even though— well, I'm, you know, I'm, ex- it could be exaggerating, but, uh, you know, if it just doesn't look good and you've had it in the same place for year after year after year after year and, uh, pro- you know, just kind of look and see if, you know, down into the, you know, into the pot, see if there's uh-huh. just a whole bunch of fibrous roots there. And it might be to, your, to the advantage of the jade to pull it out of that pot and just put it in a pot that's only like one or two inches bigger than the existing pot. And if you do that, make sure you get a potting mix for cactus. For cactus, okay. Right. Okay, and that would work on the, the Christmas cactus thing as exactly. well. Exactly, right. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, 30 years uh, of having a, the same plant, I mean, that shows you have some real skill, but uh, it's like anything. There's going to be a, certainly a longevity factor. So if anybody does have any questions, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Lou's yard. Hi, Lou. Hello. Good morning. Uh, I would like to address the sweet gum tree with the sweet gum ball problem. Okay. I had that at Edwardsville <clears throat> many years ago. I went to a nursery up at Ellsbury, and you know who that is. Mm-hmm. Bought lots of things, flowers, shrubs. And I was told and I bought uh, the black gum because they claim it does not produce those uh, gumballs. Right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm wondering why more people don't know that or understand that because it's a nuisance, an aggravation, as you can tell. <laughs> and I, but I planted one when I lived in Ophel, Missouri, and I didn't stay there long enough. It wasn't doing very well, and Mobile Park landscaping wasn't that good. But didn't stay there long enough to know whether it ever developed and whether you know grew up. But isn't that true? I, I the and I don't know. Uh, seems to me like that would be a procedure. That would eliminate a lot of these problems. Well, the difference is the black gum is a very slow-growing tree. Okay. And so that's, you know, that's the trouble where the sweet gum gives instant results. The black gum can take a really wet soil. They're native to the swampy areas of Missouri, Illinois, blah, blah, blah. And it, it has great, fantastic fall color. 
But, uh, the, I mean, they're not really comparable as one versus the other. They just happen to have gum on the, you know, as part of their name, but they're not, you know, they're nothing related to, you know, how big they get or how fast they grow or anything else. Yeah. Well, I never stayed long enough to find out, and that wasn't doing so well in the soil when they, you know, make mobile home parts. They clean off a lot of stuff. But anyway, that was always something that, and I liked the you know, one I saw somewhere, and I thought, well, I, you know, but I, I, now that you mentioned, I think I do remember they were slow growing. Right. So, yeah, okay. Nisa, N-Y-S-S-A, is the genus, and Savatica is the species. So Nisa Savatica is black gum, and so not they're not even closely related to each other. But I understand. Thanks for your insight. Well, and I also had a weeping cherry I brought home from South Carolina one time. And it made it through about three winters here, and <laughs> it didn't make it anymore. <laughs> that was grafted, and it was really beautiful, but right. it didn't last long. Right. Anyway, all right, well, thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Karen Jard. Hi, Karen. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have some trees. Some are three years old. Some are 30 years old. I want to trim the lower branches. Is this a good time? Yes, before the new growth begins. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to limb them up, just make sure if it's on the mature trees that you, so you don't tear the bark or anything, you cut it off in sections. So with the final cut, just leaving a stub of about a quarter to a half inch. So in other words, don't leave like a three, four, three or four foot, you know, branch that you've cut off most of it. Okay. And then on one of my newer trees at the bottom, I have some of those um, small little things. Yeah, the suckers. The yeah, the sucker yes. growth. Go ahead. And those and g- keep shooting up three three feet or whatever, and I keep cutting them back, and they keep coming back. Well, some of the varieties, depending upon what it is, have a tendency to do that. They're colonizing-type trees. So I don't know what specific variety that you have there. But, uh, yeah, it will be problematic for more or less ever in essence. Okay, it's a sweet maple. Oh, okay. So that's, you know, usually, uh, you know, the maples generally don't do that sucker kind of growth, so that's a little bit surprising. But uh, just keep cutting it off, cutting it off close as close as possible to the ground level that you can get. Okay, great. Thank you. Sure. And now let's go to Joan's yard. Hi, Joan. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, quick question. I just opened my mail, and I have a bill from my uh, lawn service that they applied a 1300 fertilizer with a pre-emergent. Did I hear you say earlier it was too soon to put down pre-emergent? Well, you know, to me it is. They may The pre-emergent they may be using may work fine, but for the most part, it's a little bit premature for me. So... That would be my concern. It had the nitrogen fertilizer with it, which the nitrogen is fine, but uh, the pre-emergent uh, is. But I've had a couple people th- through the last couple of weeks call in and say their lawn service put it down. So there may be a variety of a pre-emergent that can actually go down early and doesn't. The reason why you don't want to put it down too early is because once it's down, what it does is create a chemical barrier on the ground. So any seeds that are below it. It kills as soon as the seed starts to germinate. But if people walk on it, if you have dogs on it, if you do this, all kinds of different stuff, that breaks that barrier, and then that kind of reduces the effectiveness of it. So that's why I always you know, warn people not to put it down too early because if it's down too early, then the chances of breaking the barrier is just increases. 
Okay, and what is the thirteen zero zero fertilizer? That's just a, a fertilizer. The first number on a bag of fertilizer, anything, is nitrogen. So that means there's thirteen percent nitrogen, you know, in that whatever they put down. Okay, and that's sufficient at this time of the year, then. Yeah, that should be adequate. Okay, thanks for your help, Mac. I sure appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, good morning. Um, we have recently moved. Our new home has a border of hydrangeas. We don't know what to do with them. The blooms are still on from last year. You can cut the spent flowers off. You know, it depends upon what variety they are. So I would probably just cut the spent flowers off if you don't want to see them and just watch them grow for a full year, see when they bloom and everything else that way and see which variety they are. And, you know, then the information is going to be somewhat different for depending upon which variety they actually are. I mean, some hydrangeas bloom in the spring, some bloom all summer long, some bloom in the fall. So there's all kinds of different hydrangeas. So hydrangeas just in general is you can't just say, well, just do this because it's a hydrangea. Great. That gives us a place to start. Thank you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. And now, Helen, can you do it kind of quickly? Yes. uh, I have an amaryllis, and it bloomed so pretty this winter. And now it's, you know, it's bloomed out and it has long green leaves. Uh, How do I handle this till next winter? Basically, what you want to do is let those leaves grow put it in a sunny window, and just let it build itself back up. And then in September, you want to cut those leaves off, and then you want to put it in just kind of a a dark area. Don't water it. Don't do anything at all. And then it should, you know, about a month or two after September, it should start producing the flower stalk coming up in the center. Okay, thanks a lot. Sure. Yeah, that's the thing with the amaryllis is, they're really they're tough and durable, but you got to let those leaves stay. And it wouldn't hurt to do a little bit of fertilizing with it, uh, at, again, half the label rate. But at September, that's when you cut the leaves off, cut them back to about you know an inch or so, and just kind of leave them alone. So Mike and Barb and Sarah, we're not going to have a chance to get to you today. But everybody, just certainly get out and enjoy the warm weather. And uh, hopefully you're going to have a chance, if you don't have them in your own yard, to be able to see some of the daffodils and crocus and things like that that are uh, a nice relief. And you're going to start to see your zoysia. No, you will not. The zoysia is not going to green up for a while yet. So even though the soil temperature is starting to warm up, it's not warm enough to trigger growth that way. Your, your fescues and bluegrasses and the cool season lawns, you can still do some fertilizing on those. But uh, once we get past uh, April or so, I wouldn't fertilize them because it's going to force growth in the heat of the summertime. So everybody just absolutely enjoy this perfectly wonderful day. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. See you next week. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.